0: Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. I'm rolling. Oh! (laughs) See, this is very strange. It's very weird in the studio right now because... Chanel is missing. She is. Uh, and there's that voice. Do you know who that is?
1: It's Kirsten
0: Limhow. Yes, Kirsten, our producer, is going to capably fill the shoes of Chanel.
2: Okay, everyone, I am well and truly out of my comfort zone. Um, I, yeah, I, I just feel so weird about this. I, like, you know, Chanel's got so much to offer. It's like she's a court reporter, she's got cop friends, she's got that insider like knowledge, and I have none of that. So, I don't know. Do people want to hear from me? Probably not. <laughs> it's not
0: like you're filling her shoes no, because we're gonna try and track her down. But you're oh. you're you and you are all over dead bodies, that's why you do the podcast. Yeah.
2: Look, I'll do it. I'll I will do it, but just
0: just be gentle. <laughs> oh Chanel. okay, so we should probably explain what's going Let's, on. We were yes. trying to get Sharnel to talk to you at the beginning of the episode. We're having all sorts of problems getting a phone call through to the UK. All right. We're going to talk to her in a little bit. So in the meantime, feel free to heckle me the same <laughs> way she does. Ignore me at any time you like. I'll do my best. Uh, can you give us a bit of moita, please, Kirsten? I've been practising. Uh Moira. Oh, that's not it's bad. That's not good. Have you got your own catchphrase?
2: Uh, no, not yet. I, I'm going to throw in some red flags if I see any, though. That's Maybe. good. I might even be able to um, cut up some bits of Chanel and throw them in randomly. So it's like she's still here with it's us. It's as though she's here. <laughs>
0: I really miss her, actually. So Chanel's in the UK. Um, oh, we'll talk to her later in the episode. But she's um, was sent there for, for work, as we explained in our last uh, our last. Episode yeah. that you heard. And uh she'll be back with us soon. She's just been delayed a little bit longer than we thought. So, would you like to hear a murder story? I would love one. All right now I gave you a bit of a buffet of what would you like? And I've offered you I offered you um the Truro Murders. Nah, no. No. Nah, no good. It's a South Australian one. Um, I've got a seventeen thirty eight kind of weird one. Weird. Have yeah. you seen the movie Perfume? No. On Fox. It's related to that. It's it's icky, but
2: don't want that? No, no, I don't think so. I want I want gore. I feel like it's we've been holding out for about two weeks now.
0: And you wanna like go hardcore? Yeah,
2: like just something really mm, dead body. Jesse
0: James, that's not dead body ish enough. Alright, okay. This one's a bit this one's hardcore.
2: Oh, be careful what you wish for, is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, May 1969, a man had gone fishing on what was called the Long Tom, probably still is, I don't know why I said it was called, uh, the Long Tom River south of Corvallis in Oregon. And this man who was fishing, he noticed something bobbing up and down in the water. What's it
2: going to be, Kirsten? (laughs) Oh, let me guess. A (laughs) dead body.
0: That's right. Mm. Actually, not a whole one, I don't think. It was decomposing remains of a woman. So he called police and they tried to pull the body out, but they had a lot of difficulty. Um, They realised that it was weighted down with something. So the body had been tied to a car transmission box. Mm. And uh, it had been tied up with nylon rope. There was a very specific type of knot. So as they were freeing the body, they cut that part and kept the knot because they realised that would be significant at some point. Um, there was also copper wire had been used and it was twisted in a way that is usually done by electricians. Okay. Um, there were injuries on the neck of this woman, which showed that she had been strangled. And there were some rather odd Marks on her rib cage. Either side of the rib cage, there was like a puncture mark that looked like it had been made with a needle with a sort of a burn, a circle shaped burn around it. Right. Um, They used dental records and they were able to identify that this body was that of a young woman named. Linda Sully, she was 22 years old and she'd gone missing from a supermarket car park three weeks earlier. So they stuck in the river and they had a bit of more of a search around and a few days later they came across another set of decomposing remains. These had been tied to an engine head, another car park. Oh God. Same kind of bindings, same knots as the first body and this victim had also been strangled this time with a strap. The clothing was still on the body and it matched what a young woman named Karen Sprinker had been wearing when she went missing. But there was something a little bit strange about her clothes. She was wearing a long <laughs> – it took me ages to work out what this is oh, – no. a long line black bra. So we're back in the six- <laughs> Wait, What? – What is that? Go well, back. I mean if you picture sort of oh, one of the glamour actresses of the day, it's like strapless bra – at the top and then – Some lace on the bottom? Well, sort of goes down as far as the waist, like sort of semi corset, semi-holding the buzzers at the top. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, corset. I'm assuming that's what a long – yeah. Kind is that what thing. it's called? I think yeah. so. I'm not sure. I, no, I'm is... not an expert in lingerie either. Uh, Spanx is about as much as I know. <laughs> so um, it was a long line black bra. It was too big for her and her mother confirmed that it wasn't hers. Huh. So that's strange. She's in her own clothes, different bra things underneath. Thing. And her breasts had been cut off. I don't know why that – I've got a friend who's like c- cannot cope with hearing anything about teeth being injured. It's yeah. like her fear is breaking her teeth. With me, it's breasts to uh, – don't cut the breasts off. So hers had been cut off and someone had stuffed brown paper towels into the brow section of it. Uh, they continued searching because two other women were missing at the time and they thought they might find them but they didn't find anything. So at, the police at first they thought there would uh, would either be one very strong man because mm-hmm. a body attached to this heavy car part uh, would have required a very strong man or perhaps there could have been two men mm-hmm. responsible. Um, Karen Sprinker, the second victim, she had been a student at Oregon State University. So the police went there to talk to the students. And some of the girls there reported seeing a rather suspicious, pudgy, red haired man loitering around campus. It's a very unattractive image, isn't it? It's
2: almost <gasps> a red flag. Pudgy. A, re- I'm married to yeah. a redhead. You know, I
0: love a ringer. Yeah. I don't mind them. For your one's not pudgy. <laughs> Oh, he's got a bit no, of meat on the bones. He's not, no, he's not. No, he's got chicken legs, but like you know, yeah, like a solid a, body. Yeah. And then because he's a tradie, he's, he's got, got some mm, arms, big strong arms on him. I love love a good set of arms. Uh, so one woman at the university said she'd been on a date with a man who told her that he was a lonely Vietnam veteran and he was looking for company. And she said that he made her feel really uncomfortable. So she decided not to go out with him again. Um, she said he wanted to talk about the bodies that have been found in the river. Okay. Where are your red flags, Kirsten? Well, that's Kirsten. a red
2: flag. Sorry, yes, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Thank was you. Bit, um, <laughs> it was taken back. It's, it's okay. taking me a while to warm up, but that's a okay. red flag. Uh,
0: and she said that he blurted out at one stage, how did you know I would bring you back home and not take you to the river and strangle you? Oh, yeah, red flag. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he fitted the description of this same guy who tried to abduct a number of women in the week's prior. So... This guy contacted the woman again, wanting to go out on another date. Obviously, she didn't want to go with him, but she'd told the police in the meantime. So they got her to set up like a fake date with him. Was
2: she wearing a wire or?
0: I don't know. Does that really happen? No, I don't know. I just feel like it might. No, I don't think she was, but I don't think they. It's really. They shouldn't do that because what if he, you know, like came (laughs) along with a knife? Yeah, true. Bad luck. Well, they went to the designated meeting place and they spotted again this tall, pudgy man and his name was Jerry Brudos and apparently the police spoke to him he played it really cool like he had nothing to hide they had nothing specific to detain him on so they had to let him go but they kept an eye on him kept him under surveillance um, a significant thing this Jerry Brudos had worked as an electrician remember the mm, copper wire twisted that's a red run? Flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one I'm getting was going. expecting that yeah they uh, they went back and searched his garage. They found copper wire that had been cut with the same tool that had cut the cords used to tie the bodies. So Brudos was arrested and he made a full confession. So I'll tell you a bit more about Jerry Brudos. He was born in 1939 in South Dakota, uh, but his family moved to Salem, Oregon. His mother had wanted a girl, and only she only child. Yes. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay. And she told him so. She would tell him, I wanted a girl and and I got you. Yeah, you can imagine how a child would think. She she would constantly belittle him and apparently physically abused him. He had a fetish for sexy women's shoes from the age of five. Apparently he stole one of his teacher's shoes oh, at school and how, stuff.
2: How would you get away with that?
0: I don't know. Maybe they caught him. Oh, all kids dress up in their parents' clothes, don't they? but not your teachers'. Uh, They say now, looking back at it, that this fascination he had for women's shoes um, was probably he was rebelling against his mother. He hated her and she always wore sensible footwear. And because he hated her, he then liked sexy shoes because they were the opposite of what his mother was. What would you describe as a sexy shoe? Well, it's got it – heels. Okay. It's got to be uncomfortable, doesn't yes, it? Good. Yeah, that's yes. right.
2: That's They go hand in hand.
0: Certainly not my loafers oh, or okay. – uh, Crocs or moccasins.
2: No. <laughs> not a sexy I've shirt. got a
0: pair of Crocs. I I know. It's probably new to you. I understand, though – like when I, I was given them, I didn't go out and buy them, but I do understand why people – will sacrifice their dignity.
2: (laughs) This is a red flag. I'm sorry. What what sort of red flag? I have no words.
0: (laughs) Because we have to go outside all the time with the dog now who's getting very old, dear Harvey, and you need something that you can just slip into. And if you leave a pair of Crocs by the back door, slip into them and out you go. They're an all-terrain shoe. Uh, they're very hard to damage and I've even worn them while cooking because if you spill stuff on them, you don't burn your toes.
2: Well, I'm, I'm still not going to buy them.
0: Um, let me see. Where was I up to? Uh, Jerry Brudos also had a fetish for women's underwear and he would steal undies from his female neighbours. When he was a teenager, he started stalking women. He'd knock them down or choke them unconscious and steal their shoes. Oh. Okay. In 1956, he was 17 He abducted and beat a young woman and he threatened to stab her. Uh, He was arrested. Uh, Remember, this is 1956. They locked him up in a psychiatric ward and there, again, they they established that all these sexual fantasies he had revolved around his hatred of his mother and of women in general. His fantasies that he told them about, including placing kidnapped girls into freezers so he could later arrange their stiff bodies in sexually explicit poses. (sighs) which is quite specific.
2: Yeah, very specific. Uh,
0: So the doctors at the psychiatric facility declared him to be immature but not dangerous. Oh, I'm not sure quite how specific you need to be about wanting to kill women, have dead bodies in in your freezer and pose their bodies.
2: And how old was he when he said all this? 17. 17, yeah, that's Mm. reason for some concern.
0: Yeah, not for them, though. They let him go. Less than a year he was locked up. They gave him a bit of advice. As he left, they said, grow up. Oh, good. Our work here is done. (laughs) Hand us the next one. Who have you got for us now? Uh, So he managed to finish high school. He became an electronics technician. In 1961, when he was 22, he married a 17-year-old girl named Darcy, and he would make her do housework naked except for a pair of high heels. Mm -hmm. While he took pictures. Well, actually, funny enough, I don't have a problem with that because that's quite sexy to be naked with just shoes on. I'm just on. more
2: like, she's 17 and he's, how old was he?
0: 20-something? He was 22. That's, that's... I feel like in America they do everything young. Like, yeah. they drive really young, don't they? 16,
2: I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not saying that 22-year-olds should be making 17-year-olds do the housework naked in their shoes, but but um, in fact, isn't it funny how if you put a bra on as well, that's a new... <laughs> <laughs> that That's make true. It? Yeah. That's kind of more kinky than uh, being completely naked, just shoes. Put a belt on as well. <laughs> <laughs> Put a belt on. Belts, I don't think anyone thinks a belt is sexy, do they? No, we've been naked Oh, we're getting into a weird area. Okay. Um, so, this girl, Darcy, she would go along with whatever he wanted. Uh, she stayed naked in the house and she would stay out of his workshop because he wanted her to stay out of her, his workshop. And also, she wasn't allowed near the attic. Around this time he started complaining of migraine headaches and blackouts and at night he would go out and steal shoes and underwear in the neighbourhood. I don't know how much she knew about what he was doing.
2: That was my next question, yeah, yeah.
0: Like I don't know in any partnership, any married couple where one says to the other one, do not go into this area of the house.
2: And you would, wouldn't you? Like I would just oh, cry. I mean, I would. Yes. Yeah, there's no way I'm not going in that room. Yes. I'm not
0: going in the attic. Yeah, sure, mate. Absolutely, I would. It's the first place I'm going when you leave. At the garage too. I could never understand. Did you watch um, Homeland? Actually, there's no. another. There's another. Oh,
2: I'm I'm still working my way through. I'm currently watching *Hairmaid's Tale*, and then I've got to watch *Wentworth*, and then I have to watch.
0: Homeland. I have to do *Hairmaid's Tale* too. So is it good. worth? Is it's it? So good.
2: It's a bit dark and gruesome, which I feel like is up our alley. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good. The third season, eh? I'm I'm like halfway through. It's not, eh? Yeah. It's kind of slow.
0: Is it? Yeah. Because there's a lot and I was thinking, do I want to go back to the very beginning and start it?
2: One and two is good, season one and two.
0: And I don't want to watch it. I want to watch it on a proper TV screen. I don't want to watch anything on, on my com- no, laptop. No, don't. Yeah, go dig. Uh, where are we? He kept things in the garage. Oh, yes, yes, along with the bodies of his victims. Now, see, because what's going on here, yes. where she, he said to her, don't go there, Jerry had a little bit of a secret. Between 1968 and 1969, Jerry Brudos had bludgeoned and strangled four young women, and he had tried to attack two others. In January 1968, a 19-year-old named Linda Slawson was selling encyclopedias door-to-door. She knocked on Jerry Brudos's door. He lured her to the basement while his wife and kids were in the house. Oh, no. Again, I wonder... Did she not know anything? And that this is some – am I doing some weird victim-blaming thing? I don't think I am. Wait till I get to the end because I think they were sus of this wife, whether she was complicit. Um, He knocked Linda Slauson out with a wooden plank and he strangled her. He dressed her in different underwear and shoes that he'd stolen. He arranged her body in provocative poses and he used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he kept in the freezer and used to model his collection of high-heeled shoes. He then dumped her body in the river. Uh, Four months later, another woman, this is 19-year-old Karen Sprinker, was abducted at gunpoint from a parking lot outside a department store. So hers was that second body that they found in the river. Um, When he attacked Karen, because there were witnesses to that attack, he was dressed in women's clothes. He brought her back to his garage. He made her try on his collection of underwear and pose while he photographed her. He raped her. He strangled her by hanging her by her neck from a pulley. He had sex with the body on several occasions Mm -hmm. and he cut off her breasts to make plastic moulds of them, which I've read a few different, different versions of stories about him. And one of them said that the wife actually... This girl, Darcy, knew of it, had seen it. Did she help him? But didn't ask questions. Well, she, I mean, if you've got a, he was using it as a paperweight – In the house. You would know that something was strange. Uh, So when he was done with her body, he tied it to a car engine with nylon cord, threw it in the river. Six months later, November 1968, 23-year-old Jan Susan Whitney was driving her car. It broke down between Salem and Albany. Uh, Brudos offered to drive her home, Mm. and he said he would let her use his phone to call the tow truck, and while she was still in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap. He raped her after she was dead. And he kept Jan's body hanging from a pulley in his garage for several days during which he dressed, photographed and had sex with her body. Oh, what an animal. He cut off one of her breasts and made a resin mould of it that he used as a paperweight. That's about six of them now. Surely his wife.
2: thats Yeah, you would be cluing on or asking a few questions.
0: Nobody has that much paper in their house to weigh down. God, Uh, He tied Jan's body to a piece of railroad iron and he threw it in the river along with a foot from the first murder victim, Linda Sawson. that foot apparently had gone rotten, so he threw it away. He couldn't play his little dress-up game with it. His attacks went on. He tried to abduct 24-year-old Sharon Wood at gunpoint from a garage in Portland on April the 21st, 1969. She was a secretary, and she was leaving work late in the day when she reported that a, t- a tall, pudgy man approached her holding a pistol. He told her not to scream, but she, I love this girl, she decided to fight, and yes. she screamed. She stepped yes. away from him. He grabbed her and put an arm lock around her throat. And he was obviously taller because he was quite heavy, heavier than she was. But she thought that if she struggled, someone might hear. So she kicked at him with her shoes. She had high heels on. She grabbed the gun that he had. She twisted it around. And when he tried to silence her with his hand, she bit him really oh, hard on the hand. Good. I love her for fighting back. Um, she knew that she'd drawn blood too. So she was able to tell the police that. He tried to free himself, but he couldn't. So now he was struggling. He grabbed her hair, he tried to force her down to the ground, but she continued to fight back to him. He slammed her head into the concrete, which she was left her completely dazed. She heard a car coming, and when that happened, he picked up his gun and he ran off. So the person that came along called the police. And Sharon was able to tell them that her attacker had been a tall man, blue eyes, freckles, red hair, the same description. With a big bite mark over his hand. Go yeah. Uh, he tried to abduct Gloria Jean Smith, who was just 15 years old in April 1969. And the following week he abducted 22-year-old Linda Salee. So she was the first body that was found in the river. Um, she was also in a shopping centre car parking lot. He brought her to his garage. He raped and strangled her. He played with her corpse. He decided not not to cut off her breasts because he said they were too pink.
2: Oh, okay.
0: And remember I said her body had the two like needle yeah, marks on the side sword. and the, he put an electrical current through her oh. body. So that was where he put like electrodes or something. But why? He just wanted to make the body jump. <laughs> uh, he would dress up in high heels and masturbate after committing a murder. On June the 28th, 1969, Brudos pled guilty to three first-degree murders. So that was those of Karen Springer, Linda, Sally and Susan Whitney. So so the first two were the two found in the river at the beginning of the story. Uh, Susan's body was found a month later, a month after he was convicted, about a mile downstream from where he said he'd thrown it. So he confessed to having thrown it. His original plea was not guilty by reason of insanity but psychiatrists determined that his crimes were well-planned and he was aware of what he was doing. He changed his plea to guilty and he was sentenced to three consecutive life terms. His wife, she was tried as as accomplice, but there was nothing, uh, no concrete evidence to link her to his crime. So all we can do is what we just did and say. Yeah, speculate or assume that maybe she knew about it. Well, how could all that be going on in the house and you not notice there's Noticed a paperweight anything. shaped like a breast? Yeah. So she was found not guilty. She changed her name and vanished. In her defense, she was only 17. Mm. You know, you wonder how much of what she did and her keeping quiet was driven by fear yes. and not by willingly going along with him as accomplice. Um, as I said, he confessed to Linda Slawson's murder. But he was neither – this was the one where he kept the foot. He was neither tried nor convicted of it because he didn't keep photos of the body, only the foot. When he was in jail, he had piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell. He lodged countless appeals, uh, including one he alleged that a photo taken of him with one of his corpses couldn't prove he was guilty because it was not the person he was convicted of killing, which is confusing me. 1995 – the parole board told Jerry Bruda, Brudos that he would never be released. And Jerry Brudos died in prison on March the 28th, 2006, from liver cancer. And I hope it was a painful death.
2: Yes, I was about to say that. I was going to try and editorialise like Sean Elwood. Go ahead. Satan Bin, maybe? I know she
0: oh, yes. Uh, one of her tweets I read the other day, I forgot who she was cross with, People who sneeze, something like that. Someone she disapproves because usually people in traffic she's angry with. That's right. Uh, She said that they should be fired into the sun. (laughs) Yeah. And so that would have been an appropriate Seems ending fair. for Jerry Brudos. Yes. So while we wait for Charnel to get herself near a phone to speak to us, should we do some feedbacks? I
2: kind of hope it's one of those phone booths, like, you know, in London, the special <laughs> red ones. Like, wouldn't that be great?
0: And Doctor Who is there with her.
2: Yeah. Um, so I decided, well, we decided that we would do, I would do fe- some feedbacks. Yes. Because I wasn't prepared with the story and I, you know, we... We're supposed to be speaking with Chanel, so got a few here. Can um, you
0: just pick nice ones?
2: Oh, I think. Look, I haven't actually looked through these, so I'm just going to go from the top. Okay. What do you think? Okay. All right. <clears throat> this one is from uh, Cassie or Casey. Cassie, K A S I in Vancouver Island, Canada. Oh, Canada! How exciting! She says, "I found this podcast by sheer happenstance."
0: Who says happenstance? Is that like coincidence? I think it just means by chance. Just by chance.
2: I think Happen
0: happenstance. Stance. What Happen a stance. wonderful word, Cassie. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I've learnt something. Uh, <laughs> as it popped up in my suggestions. Mm. Um, while some people might think your show is morbid, I found it to be intriguing Factually interesting, emotional and funny. You two have such great charisma and I love that, that you... can charisma... count
0: yourself on in that. You can just take it that she's talking about you and me.
2: Um, because she doesn't specify, so that's fine. Yeah. She says that I love that you bring on guests to talk about their own experiences Death is such a taboo subject and I think it's healthy for people to talk out some things like you have. True, She says, I've only seen one dead body myself. My mother passed away just over a year ago mm. um, after battling aggressive terminal pancreatic cancer. Cock, Isn't cancer just the worst it's thing? Bloody horrible. Oh, God. She says, I identify with your interview about the man saying goodbye to his sister. So that was um, Michael, Michael Scanlon. Scanlon, episode 10. She says, I also had to take my mum's jewellery before she went to the crematorium. And it felt like scavenging. Oh, yeah, it would. It would. I've never had to do that, but I, I oh, God.
0: Yeah. It's something I didn't even
2: think about until we interviewed Michael Scanlon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She says, despite that, I'm glad I have those things to keep. Mm. Despite knowing she was dying for so long, her death still felt sudden. Mm. And then she says, I died in my 20s for several minutes what? and haven't feared death since.
0: I've died.
2: Several yeah, I died.
0: Is in this not not in the way Shanael says I
2: died. No, this is legit. She says I died in my 20s for several minutes and haven't feared death since. Wow. So we asked her to elaborate and this is her second email. Okay. Hi Chinelle and on DD. You asked about my death experience. I was and 22. And yeah, just everyone. Sorry, Cassie. Um,
0: Sorry, I interrupted. Ding, ding. Where's the Terry Bell? No, no we're getting rid of. Terry it's me. Bell. It's oh my god, back. it's happening. The Shadowell's not even here. An interruption happened. It's me. It's
2: you. Now
0: we know who it is. that does it.
2: <laughs> oh no. Start again. I'll start again.
0: You don't um, have to edit that. I was just, just only so people could hear what Cassie's saying. Okay, what
2: well, was she saying?
0: Is that me um, interrupting? Sorry, I'm interrupting again. She
2: says she was 22 and it was November 2007. Mm-hmm. I was quite sick for many years before I died. Oh God, it's so weird to hear that. Like
0: That's so it's strange. It's like the grave stuff,
2: isn't it? Um, so she died from latent autoimmune type 1 diabetes or type 1.5 which is the slow-onset version of type 1, traditionally insulin-dependent diabetes. Ooh. I had acute kidney failure at 18 and wasn't diagnosed for another year. I died of acute diabetic Keto... ketoacidonis.
0: Thank you, Dr. Limha.
2: I'm not even close. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Ketones are a type of blood acid created by the liver when your blood sugar is very high, which eat your organs and eventually stop you from being able to oxygenate your blood.
0: Is that when you get that weird alcohol-y smell on the breath sometimes? Mm -hmm. Is that like, you know, people, there's a diet where people try and do ketosis.
2: Oh, like keto?
0: Something like that. I'm sure it's all related. I'm not a doctor and don't take dietary advice from me.
2: She goes on to say, I don't remember dying. I remember passing out in my apartment hallway, a brief moment on a stretcher going down the stairwell and begging for water in the emergency room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I woke up two days later on a heart monitor with a mask on my face. During the four-block ambulance ride, I flatlined and had to be paddled with a defib- <laughs>
0: defibrillator.
2: Thank you. I flatlined wow. again sometime after I arrived at the ER and was dead for several minutes. <gasps> What? What does that do to your, um, you know, your brain, your vital organs? Well, oh, like
0: Cassie's that? clearly oh, she's fine. up and typing and
2: listening. She says she has no memory of it either. It's blank. People talk about seeing a white light or floating above their body. Some evidence, um, you know, after that they've died. Yeah. She said I had none. Just this disturbing feeling. I should know my heart had stopped, but I didn't. Worse still is that I'd been told on waking that day I was not going to make it. And the hospital was making preparations for my
0: death. Oh, no. No, I'm, st- I'm still alive.
2: I spent the next 10 days waiting to die before the hospital told me I was going to be okay. I barely survived that experience. And honestly, while I'm grateful now that I made it, I wasn't happy then. I was very angry and depressed for many years over the experience. Yeah. And I've spoken with other people who have similar feelings about surviving death. Dying is extremely painful. That's the most I can say about the physical experience. It's a true fatigue so severe that even moving a little bit is agonising. Sound, light and touch are all painful to experience. These days, I have a son. And I remember it now and know that I can survive almost anything. It took a lot of time and soul-searching to get there.
0: That's amazing. incredible.
2: We've never had that before, have we?
0: No. If you have died... Because you always hear about that, you know, go to the light yes, and Nana yes. will be up there, and the family Just dog from here the gates on... dead bodies podcast at gmail.com we'll take your near death or death experience that's incredible, so you don't see anything you don't you don't know but the pain of it or the tiredness yeah she, she, she described everything... that very well because I, I completely can understand the feeling that yeah. she had
2: Wowee. that's that's massive for her to share that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Cassie. Yeah. This is a little short one. Oh, it's from
2: Terry. (laughs) Here's some feedback from Terry. Terry.
0: Terry, who hates us interrupting.
2: So still listening.
0: Uh, Terry. (laughs) Uh, Terry says, love this week's podcast. And the Terry Bell is still in use. Well, that was the last one. Okay. It's, it's, no. I didn't bring the Terry Bell. Please don't bring it back. I used it at home. It's in my kitchen. Seriously, when I finished dinner, ding ding, I did it before I was uh, serving dinner this evening. Uh, this is from Candace. Hi, guys. In episode 58, you spoke about the death of Lindsay Jellett by his twin sister, Judith who who is from Melton, where I live. Lindsay was the, um, he was in Ararat and they found his body on the side of the road. Yes. And he, yes. she'd run over him twice. Um, I knew of this case as my mum's friend, who was also friends with Judith, told my mum about how Judith had taken her car to a car wash and washed the underside of her oh car. God. Candace puts in brackets, who does that? Yeah. Yeah, Nobody exactly. but a murderer Might does have... that, Candice. Murder. <laughs> uh... oh, was she found guilty in the end? Now I'm wondering if I did. I don't think she did. I think the body was – he was dead before she ran over him. Um. Candice says, there was another case that I remember as I was growing up in Melton in 1994, a boy named – now, I don't want to use the name here because at the time of the case – This name was suppressed. I'll just say his name is Stephen. Uh, He was 10 years old and he was a few years below me at Melton Primary School. His death was just so heartbreaking. I remember a memorial being constructed for him. His killer, Nathan Avent, has shockingly, she puts in brackets shockingly, already been released from prison for killing Stephen with a tomahawk and sexually abusing his mother. How can they let a monster like that out of prison? It's all a mystery from Candace. So a little bit more on the case that she refers to. Uh, Nathan Avent was released from jail on the, June fourth, the two 2012, after serving his minimum sentence of 18 years. In 1994, Avent, then 23, killed a 10-year-old boy, Known only as Stephen, and sexually assaulted and tried to strangle the victim's mother. Gosh, it's exactly as Candace remembers it. Uh, the boy was playing quietly with a game on the floor of the Salvation Army run home in Melton, where he lived with his mother, when Avent struck him from behind with an axe. Avent had done some landscaping at the house, and Stephen's mother had no reason to fear him when he arrived, saying he wanted to look at the backyard. After he murdered the boy, the court heard Avent wash the blood off the axe and his hands and threatened the mother with a knife and sexually assaulted her. The mother had been in the shower at the time Avent butchered her son. Oh, oh my God. That's the worst thing. When you have a baby and you have to have a shower and you're home on your own oh. – it's like you think everything's going to happen to it oh, while God. you're in the shower. Not
2: even like if you've got a kid. I don't have a child and I like my most vulnerable is if I'm in the shower. Yeah. I feel like my
0: eyes are closed. Yeah. I
2: can't really hear anything. I'm naked. Anyone could be in the house. Yeah. It's terrifying. It oh. gives me anxiety. It's like it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Avant was unemployed. He's then 19. 19- he had a wife, a 19-year-old wife who was pregnant when he committed his brutal crimes. In the days before the crime, Avent had watched violent films. He had gone to the house armed with a killing kit, including the Tomahawk rope, masking tape and knives. The court heard that Avent told detectives he thought that stuff in movies might have fueled his murderous fantasies. Wow. And Candace went to school That's with nice. the boy. That's a great email. Come Should on, do us another got one. Got a few more? Yeah, yeah.
2: okay. <clears throat> this one is from Angela. You like what you like, right? And then she says, yikes. And she's attached the following story. So Um, I feel like we're in for one here. uh
0: Um, Brace yourself. Okay, We'll go through it together. By the way, because we've had some wild weather in Melbourne of late, and they keep saying, batten down the (laughs) hatches. I don't have a hatch. At my house, nor do I know how one battens. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? They keep coming on the weather. Oh, well, batten down the hatches. And I'm thinking, well, what am I meant to do? I heard one
2: report that was like, it was so windy that they wanted you to like, um, like tie up your pets.
0: Oh, yes, because they were going to fly away. Yeah. Yeah, that's silly too. Um, also, just so unrelated, but we're a question that has no answer unless anyone wants to. I was doing the washing up and I was using morning fresh Washing up liquid. Why is it called Morning Fresh? Yeah, good like, point. <laughs> who gets up in the morning and does the dishes? Not me. Can anyone tell me why? That's so strange. Morning Fresh. Deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com or right. Facebook. Okay. Um,
2: so this one's from Angela. She says, um, in twenty twelve, a thirty-seven-year-old woman from Gothenburg, Sweden, God's country, was arrested and charged for having sex with skeletons. Okay. Oh, there
0: it is. oh. Oh, what? I thought we had enough necrophilia. Man.
2: Didn't we have enough? I thought we did. Yeah. <laughs> would not be impressed. Uh, I, I'll continue. Human bones were uncovered in her apartment, along with photographs of women seductively licking human bones. Oh. Uh, photographs of morgues and chapels and documents about how to have sex with recently deceased people.
0: Oh.
2: The woman had been using the bones as... As sex toys.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I can only picture something straight. Well, uh, yeah, that's not. I was going to make a joke about, um, yes. I'm just not, uh, Come on.
2: I was going to say something. Oh, you I have to now. of a
0: punchline. Do it.
2: <laughs> Do it. Something about, uh, well, a, a boner or something. Oh, or, you know, just... gotcha. Yes. But it's. Uh, yeah. You can't think of one? Yeah, no, I can't. No, let's not. Um, She says the prosecutor (laughs) argued that the human remains had been used in an unethical way and the woman was charged with violating the peace of the dead but pleaded not guilty as she declared she hadn't done anything illegal.
0: Well, it's that thing again is, oh, no, you're not allowed to violate the dead. Yeah. Surely that's wrong. Depends where she got the the bones from. Oh, to me it doesn't matter. No. To me that is, oh, that is gross. You can buy things. You don't need to use a bone. Yeah.
2: Despite the woman's bizarre hobby, a psychology evala- evaluation revealed that she was sane and was not suffered from any
0: no. any mental health problems. No. no. I check her. I think check again. Just, yeah. Get a second opinion. Get a second
2: opinion. Yeah, because yeah, something's not right there. No. Um, should we
1: check in with Chanel? let's do it. Hello, Chanel here. And when I say here, I mean in Rome, not in studio with the lovely Didi and Kirst. Unfortunately, I was meant to be back a couple of days ago. However, my trip has been extended because I've been sent to the Vatican to cover the George Pell case, which I covered extensively in Melbourne. So I'm very happy to be doing this story. But of course, a little bit sad that I can't be there for this episode. But Kirst has made an appearance which is incredible not sure if I'm going to come back to a job you might all like her more than me but I haven't been slacking while I've been away Uh, I've been doing podcast work I've got some great stories for when I return and I've got one of those stories which I think most of you all love except that one hater um, about a story that has nothing to do with dead bodies but just something that I encountered we'll just say I've encountered another rude man in the street partially naked I don't know why this keeps happening to me, but it does. Uh, so that, I'll tell you that story when I get back. And uh, sorry that I couldn't be there. I, of course, definitely wanted to be there. I'm so sad, it's the first time I've ever missed out. And I do feel a little bit left out, but that's what happens when you get sent on assignment. But I'm so excited to be back. Uh, that will happen next week and I can't wait. So nice things, nice things.
0: Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us
1: at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.